everyone and welcome to another episode of From the Lighthouse. I'm Stephanie and I'm here today with my co-host Michelle. Hi Michelle. Hi Stephanie. And our extraordinary producer Jimmy. Hi Stephanie. Hi Michelle. Hi <laughs> Jimmy. And we're all here together today because we have just gone to see, separately, um, <laughs> Murder on the Orient Express, the new adaptation of Agatha Christie's wonderful and very, very famous and very, very filmed and adapted novel, so, what did you think, guys? Did you like it? Did you hate it? And can we talk about Kenneth Branagh's moustache? Moustache. <laughs> because for me, the entire movie was about that moustache. Well, I actually want to hear what Michelle has to say about first, because we ran into each other before coming here, obviously, and we deliberately avoided talking about it because we want the reactions to be genuine. Yeah, we, yes. We, yes. This well, is our first conversation about this. Look, I have mixed feelings about it, and I think I was expecting that anyway, because out of... Agatha Christie's, you know, enormous earth. It's probably one of my least favourite mm. in terms of yeah. I don't like the sort of the collective murderer. I don't. I don't know why. Probably should have given a spoiler warning before spoiler that. Spoiler warning. <laughs> so, well, I, I can't see that you could talk about it without. No, you can't. Yeah, you can't. But, yeah. You, yeah. but you do need a spoiler alert. Yes, I apologise. Yes. Yeah, we we'll um, put a spoiler alert in the show but, but, notes. But actually, if you've but, seen but, the, the original, you know, the Hercule Poirot. Yeah, and te- I think uh, that you know, a, a novel that was written a good seventy years ago, seventy something years ago. Um, is fine. Yeah, and also I wondered going <laughs> into it, I, I, I wondered whether or not they would um, sort of change the plot. Mm. And I was sort of hoping they would because, as I say, I, I love I love watching the Friday Night Mystery mm. Hercule Poirot, but that particular um, that that particular storyline it's never appealed to me. It's too cute. It's 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 mm. there's just it 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 felt more contrived. It it sort of changed the the sort mm. of the it, it it was it was like a it was like a game changer. And I mm. got to the end and I I just sort of felt a bit dudded. Um, mm. the first time that mm. I watched it, and I can't remember reading it, but I think I did. Um, but it was in my teenage years that I did my Agatha Christie reading, mm. and then I was hoping that they would change it in some way. And of course it didn't. And and also I'll be perfectly honest, <laughs> I'd gone into the movie imagining that it was Johnny Depp who was going to play <laughs> Hercule Poirot. And so when the when the opening sort of and I realised that no, that's not that's not Johnny Depp. Um, I think we just had a slight little plummeting mm-hmm. um, I mean, moment. To, to be fair, I think when I saw the cast list uh, and I saw Johnny Depp, I did think, oh, he was going to play Poirot as well. Oh, mm. Good, so I wasn't, yeah. Yeah, but then yeah, I read up on his okay, <clears throat> well, he's not going to be Poirot, he's going to be Ratchet, mm. which was quite an interesting choice, I thought, for um, Depp, because he's normally, he normally plays that sort of quirky, charming character. With I have this to one, say yeah. that, De- that the casting of Depp actually impacted upon my um, my enjoyment of the movie because mm. I think the fact that he still has a career when it's known what a terrible person he is in his private life really makes me angry. So I was angry at this film before I went <laughs> to see it, which I think also coloured my perceptions of the movie. I was like, why do we... But but he plays the criminal. He gets stabbed to death. I so, know, you know but even still, he's your... a terrible person. <laughs> he's a wife beater. Like, why do you have a career? You know? <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I have to say, I, I I don't see much sort of Hollywood news, so I I didn't know very much about. Yeah, yeah, last no. time I knew he was. He's a domestic abuser. Oh, is that? Right? Yeah. So why does he have a career? Why does he get to be in? Oh no, I had no idea. Yeah. See, so I've just ruined Johnny Depp for you. Well, I mean, I wasn't a particular sort of. I mean, I've never had a a, a very strong sort of. I don't know what you yeah. call it. Um, sort of interest. Yeah. Interest in, yeah. in 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 Depp. 
But last time I heard he was living in France, and that's about all I know. No, 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 that was quite some time ago, Michelle. (laughs) You need to read some Laney gossip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I mean, look, it relied on the cast, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of stunt casting, I think, too. I thought the staff was, uh, the staff, the cast was a little bit... um, Underused. Uh, yeah. I actually thought Branagh stole the show. Uh, the moustache stole the show. <laughs> Come on, that moustache is worth like. Yeah, I mean that, that was the moustache to end all moustaches. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> well, what were you going to do? I mean, you were either going to copy it or you had to go completely. Mm. You know. Yeah. Well, well, for me, it's always interesting. Um, different actors' interpretation of Poirot. Mm. Uh, one of the first interpretations I saw of Poirot was often enough Murder on the Orient Express with Albert Finney, the mm. 1974, I think, version of it. Yeah. Uh, and his Poirot was almost alien. He was really bizarre. Mm. And uh, actually, I, I loved his Poirot. I thought he was just so uh, interesting mm. and strange. And then all the other Poirot became very conventional. Uh, and then Browner came along and almost made Poirot into a um, slightly autistic mm. man of, of, of some sort. You know, there's, there's this obsessive compulsive quality to him. I don't know how I felt about that while I was watching it. I did, I you didn't like that? No, no, because I actually felt there was too much of an effort to humanise him mm. with the sort of the backstory. The backstory intensely irritated. Yes, the, the whole love too. thing. Yeah, and, no, no, that, that annoyed sort of me. The, 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 the sort of the symmetry mm. with the eggs and the cow pat. I think <laughs> I was actually annoyed from that point on. See, because I, that, that didn't bother me too much. Maybe because, maybe because I was used to watching things like uh, House and other Sherlock Holmes adaptation where it becomes very obvious that these... Detectives have you know, these very human, obsessive, compulsive qualities yeah, about them. It reminded me of almost of something like House or Monk. Mm. You remember that show Monk yes, that was on in like I the nineties? Yes, yeah. I loved but Monk. but it, it kind of felt like it was it was too obviously a riff on that, mm. and it just like I just didn't connect to Kenneth Branagh. I felt it a bit predictable. I felt it yeah. a bit predictable. See, I think the thing that I was irritated with the eggs and the cowpat was that it felt like a really predictable interpretation of, of the autistic yeah. you know, sort of dent- mm. d- dentist detective. <laughs> um, Could be a dentist, you know. Could be a dentist, yeah. <laughs> well, you wouldn't know underneath. Yeah, yeah. You'd <laughs> zonked out and drugs. But, but, but yeah, that, and that was the thing. I felt this, this does feel mm. a, a little bit like a cliché. Mm. I, I don't know. Like, that was... I don't know why, but I was... And, and also I felt that there was um, something really self-conscious about that... Um, the 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 sort of the, 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 the treatment of um, the, the colonial mm. aspect, mm. which you know, I, I mean, of course, it's great that they did uh, sort of consider these sorts of things and 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 have the doctor roll up his sleeves and help the Indian worker on the on the ship that they where were they at that point? They weren't in India, were they? Yeah. yeah, and and I thought well, but but at the same time there was just something that all Istanbul, felt a little bit contrived about it. Yeah, you know there was just and and I, I didn't feel as though that had been absorbed into the the, the fabric of the film. It it all felt very um, planted. Mm. I think for me, mm. I, I didn't enjoy that moment. It felt false. To go back to what you were saying, Jimmy, I did feel the cast was underutilised. It was. Because you had all these big names, but mm. I felt like they did nothing. Well, most of them did nothing. Well, for me, the most disappointing one was uh, Judy Dench, because she, she is she so was, fabulous. And um, she was nowhere. And, yeah, she wasn't really... I mean, see, see the, the problem is I have the 1974 version stuck in my head, and, mm. uh, and Wendy Hiller, in the, in the same role, was just phenomenal. You know, she almost spat out her lines, you know, with contempt mm. at Perot. And, you know, Dench's performance was almost understated in comparison and um, not very well fleshed out whereas mm. it was much more fleshed out in, in the other version too 
I sort of felt as if um, I knew the, the princess Dragomir off a little bit better yeah. in the other version than I did with, with this particular version, where she just seems to be obsessed with her dogs. Well, yeah. but I also think that in, in the particular setting, you know, the confines of, 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 of a train, mm. it actually was imperative that all of the characters were fleshed out because mm. by really just focusing on, on, on Branna, it, it sort of added to the, the sort of the slightly... Um, I, I guess I, I, I want to say um, perhaps just a, a, a little bit of, of um, boredom. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think that was my main complaint with the yeah. film, which was that the, the focus was too much on Poirot and not enough on the other characters. And he's not mm. a character to hold that. It needed to be that yeah. sort of um, that, that, that lovely sort of collective performance mm. yeah. that, that led yeah. to at the end. I, I almost felt as if um, this film was trying to introduce Poirot to mm. a new audience and say, well, you know, let's introduce the character of Poirot, whereas well, those who I knew think Poirot... I the, the, you know. the, the Nile, would, you know, the murder on the... Death on the Nile. Death, Death on the Nile, Nile would have been a better... Um, well, I think that's going to be first. the next one. Yeah, but I think that would have been a better one mm. to start with. Mm. Mm. Um, I know that the Orient Express has all of those sorts of exoticisms and, and you know, that, that, that sort of initially spurred it on. And uh, But uh, for, it, it seems to be the, probably one of the titles that are most recognisable, most mm. instantly recognisable out of... You know, Agatha Christie, Christie's yeah. work. I think. Well, I think it's because of what you mentioned before. It is a game changer. It's it's um, one of the first um, murder mystery where everybody <laughs> is actually um, yeah. turns out to be the, the criminal. But you really have to have one. very good characterization for that you plot do. to work. But and and it yeah. was well. There. The thing is that the cast was there. They had a terrific mm. cast, but yeah, maybe the script you know, underutilized them. Michelle Pfeiffer, I thought, did quite a good job um, mm. as um, Mrs. Hubbard. Mm. Um, but again, I'm sort of comparing her with Lauren Bacall, who also did a, a fantastic job as Mrs. Hubbard. The one that really disappointed me was um, Penelope Cruz in mm. the Ingrid Bergman role. Ingrid yeah. Bergman was just amazing. Mm. And then this one was really, really underused. Like, I just felt the characters didn't have enough time on screen to really develop them and, and made us care about mm. them. I think it was almost setting up Perot as like the new superhero franchise. Yeah. You know, like, and he's going to be in all of the, you know, we need a backstory for him so that we care about him. And mm. I don't, like, think, I don't just, think you do. This and is, I don't think you do either. And I think no. that, like, I don't know, he's not like, like, of the Christie kind of detectives, I much prefer Miss Marple to, 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 to him. But I also think that, like, you don't read um, an Agatha Christie for, like, a psychological study of Perot. You read it for the characters, the other characters. You mm. read it for the mystery, the puzzle. Like, you don't actually kind of... And for the murder. Of, like and for the murder, it's yeah. It's fantastic. You yeah. read it to discover how on earth somebody managed to... to get away with this and, and set it up in the way that they did. Yeah. So exactly. So so if that's not the if that's not the emphasis, then you're out of, you're yeah. out of whack, I think. Mm. I don't read, especially with Perot, I, I think, to me, who is, as I said, always less compelling than Mrs. Marple, um... You know, I don't read it to kind of like cheer him on and be like, "Yay, Perot, I love you so much." You know, it's well, not. It's well, not the kind of. It's, it's a different deals. formula. There's a different yeah. formula. He's, he's meant to be quite insufferable, and I think even Christie herself, you know, finds him quite insufferable. Mm. She's always preferred Marple herself, uh, and I think she was once asked if why is it that Perot and Marple never met, and she said that's because you know that they they would just hate each other. So She'd probably much. whack him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'd have no time for him. Yeah, she yeah. just wouldn't have any time for him. I mean, it would yeah. it would be a, a one minute exchange, and she'd mm. be off. Yeah. I just and I also think there was a kind of arrogance in Kenneth Branagh's performance. Mm. It was just like he directs the the, the movie, and it was all about him. Mm. And it was just I don't know. I found his his performance really kind of 
irritating because there there is something uh, he, he's 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 a, he's a difficult character he's um i mean he's there's there's a even though it's it, it's 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 sort of um problematic she, she is using that uh, sort of belgium identity in a particular way which is i mean the, the belgians are but of jokes you know, mm. which they sort of nodded to at the beginning with that uh, sort of scene in in um, in, in uh, at the at the opening, um, but but it's 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 not about reintroducing that. It's it's about the idea of that of making him a character who doesn't fit in. Mm. Not not in this yeah, context because of his Belgiumness, but yeah, because he's, he's meant to be just, completely alien, mm. almost completely. Yeah, upper, yeah, yeah. Mm. and I, and I think that that opportunity was was missed mm. in in this sort of warm and fuzzy. Um, sort of oh, and, and even it was. Do you know what it was? He was more of a Shakespearean character mm. than uh, than a sort of a, a, a nice detective, you know, or a, or a difficult detective. Yeah, I think. I mean, for me, Poirot is meant to be. I could have imagined him doing a monologue at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as he's a little tired. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, as he walks along the train tracks. Yeah, um, I mean, look, I, I'm off two minds about it because, um, on the one hand, I like like I didn't mind um, Brenner's performance of Poirot as much as you who seem to have minded it. Um, what I did l- really like about it was the focus or the shift more on the victims this time, uh, as in the, mm. not, not Ratchet, but the previous victim, the, um, the Armstrong family. Mm. Um, there was a humanisation of that that I found quite uh, moving and, and quite interesting uh, mm. in terms of exploration. I like that focus. And I think that's one, of, um, that's one thing that Branagh always does with his films. There's, there's a humanist spin mm. to a lot of his films. So he's trying to apply that to this one. And I think it worked on that aspect of it. But the part that I, I agree with you guys that I don't think it worked was on the humanisation of Poirot mm. as a character. Uh, adding that background story, I, I think it's a love interest. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it could yeah. be, a, I don't know, it could I be a daughter, it could be something. I think it is a love interest. I, I don't think that quite works for me. And the one that really irritated me um, above all else was his anger at being forced to um, you know, be complicit in this lie that they're telling. That, for me, was very, very un poirot like, mm. you know, Poirot is a very amoral character. Mm. Yeah, he wouldn't care. He, he wouldn't care. Uh, and in the, in the novel and in, in, in other adaptations, except for the Suchet version, mm. which again follows the same one, he does care. Uh, all other adaptations and in the novel, he doesn't He doesn't really care. That's why he, he presents them with two choices to begin with. Mm. I mean, if mm. you cared so much, you just wouldn't present them with two choices. You would just yeah, say, look, just say, yeah. you're guilty, off you go, you know, that's and that's right. done. Um, but this one, he's sort of like, well, look, there's two choices you choose, but I'm really annoyed. You're going to have to kill me first to, to get this yeah. one done. And then it turns out to be a ruse and everything. And we're like, oh, no, I'm, it, that doesn't work for me. Uh, but the focus on... on uh, on the victims, that did work for me because I, th- I felt quite moved by that montage of um, tragedy yeah. that sort of occurred throughout. Uh, and in a way, that sort of um, fleshed out some of the other characters a little bit more, but not enough to make me um, develop any sort of attachment to them. I think the only character I was really attached to was possibly um, Michelle Pfeiffer's Mrs. Hubbard. Mm. And quite surprisingly, uh, I didn't think I would like this change, but the um, the young guy, I think Tom Bateman, who they got to play Monsieur Book, uh, the mm. you know the uh, the, uh, the manager mm. of, the, yeah. of the train. Yeah, you know, he's meant to be quite an old guy, but this this one was very Green. charming, very yeah. almost like Wildian yeah. figure. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, that really worked for me because I thought uh, it ad- it added a uh, yeah. a lightness yeah. to the entire atmosphere that was uh, almost missing. Um, and I found his his character quite engaging, so I didn't mind that yeah. change. But other changes, I, I had major issues with. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, like, hate it. And I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and there's also a certain, like, 
trains are kind of fun and, and the, the, um, the atmosphere is, is, you know, quite um, enticing, you know, the, this idea of, you know, getting dressed up and being on this posh train and travelling mm-hmm. across the countryside is, is, you know, I think quite attractive. Oh, you know, I'd like to be on the Orient Express, maybe <laughs> with a bit less murder going on, but, you know, it, it's kind of, you, you like that kind of atmosphere. And there was something really sort of expansive and exciting in the opening, and there was a real sort of sense of atmosphere. And, mm. and I did want it to work, you know, mm. for, for me because I, I love—I actually love—it's Friday nights. I, yeah. I just like to watch. I don't and want who anything doesn't love Christy, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I really, really wanted it to work, and yet um, <laughs> you asked me what I mean. Thought mm, yes, I did. So Michelle's husband fell asleep. I just, um, I was so furious because I don't. He doesn't know. snore, does he? <laughs> well, he does, <laughs> but he didn't get the chance because I hit him a couple oh, of did times. You, to you wake know, I, I, him I watched up. A, a film, um, not with somebody, but someone sitting behind me was snoring for the entire time, <laughs> and I nearly wanted to strangle her. And she had the gall to wake up 15 minutes before the movie ended, and then at the end of the movie said, oh, "That was a terrific film." <laughs> No, you didn't. You didn't see it. No, almost turned around singing to you. But you know, it's it's actually the kind of film you could fall asleep oh, in because it's 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 so like. But it's, it's so not bad, but it's kind of inoffensive. You know, it's just sort of there. But visually, know? though, it was quite beautiful. So I'm kind of surprised yeah. he wasn't sort of visually stimulated, at least by uh, the scenery and look. You know, the he, cinematography. He, I, I think um, it, we were we were we were in the Orpheum. Um, and we we certainly had a good fifteen minutes uh, where I think he, he was, <laughs> and then then somewhere along the line I I looked it over and his head was tilted back and he was fast asleep and I couldn't I could I tried to wake him up because it's not often we go out together and I wanted to have a partner in, you know watching this well, so that I could talk to, about. talk to us yeah. about it no he doesn't I he yeah no um, well I, look I. I, I to be fair, I did watch it with a friend, and I won't name names because he'll probably kill me if I mention this. <laughs> but I did notice from the corner of my eyes that he did not off at one stage, um, and, and then sort of corrected himself. Kind of, I reckon it's the kind of film that's eminently sleepable. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I you know, it's just it's so inoffensive in in a kind of. I mean, there is action sequences, but it's a kind of movie see, that, I can just see myself falling asleep. That, in. That, those action sequences, I have a gripe about those. They, yeah, they don't, they've got, they don't they've, work for me. Yeah. You know. Poirot is not an action no, hero. I know. And he should never be an action hero. But also, Christy isn't... No, she doesn't write in that She genre. doesn't write action. Far more interesting would have been, and this is the thing that I think was lacking, was that there was no real sense of suspense. So, you know, there was... An, I never really had that I, I did, feeling. I did read up about that um, slightly because one of the things that... Um, they knew that this story was so famous and so popular, there's no way they could sort of build up or generate any, any suspense. Well, I think you can that. because I, I watch every Friday night. <laughs> I sit down and the watch, you know, Poirot or I watch Marple. You know what's mm. happening. You, you know where it's going to end. It doesn't change the fact that, you know, sort of given the right camera angles, a bit of music and, and somebody looking vaguely afraid, um, you get a bit of... Well, I think um, that this is an interesting one to do, which goes back to your point of, like, maybe another one would have been better. Because this is one... Like, I actually forget who do, who is the murderer in most Christie novels because, you know, after you read a few... Yeah, I know that's You know, they, yeah. they go out of your head. Because they're so plotty, like, you're in it when you're reading it, but you don't but this, get to remember But this one's hard to but forget. But this one is hard to forget. Mm. Because so you know this one and, say, the murder, murder of Roger Ackroyd and yeah. stuff, they're, mm. they're too famous a conclusions. So you can't forget. Like, this mm. is the one, and, and Roger Ackroyd, I, I just can't forget. So, yes, no, there is. How do you ones. create suspense? Yeah, I mean, well, 
that's one of the questions that uh, unfortunately we <laughs> none of us here can possibly answer. Yeah. And it's probably you know I'm, I'm interested in, and I've asked a few people uh, who haven't read the book or haven't seen any of the film, yeah, uh, to let me know as soon as they watch the film uh, what they thought of it because I'm really, really interested to see whether that lack of suspense for us came from just being so familiar with the story no, and the I plot. Think, no, I don't think it was set up. Mm. I don't. I don't think mm. it, it, it. It was set up. I mm. mean, I, I don't think there was any effort to court that kind of um, visceral reaction in, 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 in the Which audience. Which is bizarre, because that's why you read, Christy. Yeah, well, so it's, what you, it's what you want, isn't it? Well, one it? of the things yeah. that I did notice while I was watching it was that um, I was looking out too much for the clues that the film was, was going to give out about who the actual mm. criminal was. So I was paying careful attention to every single reveal and think, and I think, oh, okay, yep, so they're priming that up for that. And so I can see my mind ticking, and it really annoyed me because I, I wish I could have switched it off and tried to enjoy the film from, you know, a less technical perspective and just sort of see what the film was doing but I was looking at every single red herring and saying okay mm. that was trying to do that and that was trying to do that and that was trying to do that um, and it stopped my enjoyment of that aspect of the film the, the thing that I noticed because generally speaking I'm just watching you know sort of the, the whatever channel it's on um, <laughs> the, the, the sujet and, and the, so mm. it's, it's not uh, sort of really a, a, a schmick production by any means mm. And the thing that I, I think the promise was there because, in actual fact, it was really, you know, cinematically beautiful. Mm. And and I think that if if they'd really sort of focused on the ability to bring that um, sort of amazing, uh, sort of immersive quality to to the film that you don't get in in those earlier versions with the the, the sort of the, the fun suspense, which isn't proper suspense. It's it's mm. the sort that you enjoy because I don't like thrillers because they get mm. too scary. But this is cosy crime. It's cosy mm. crime, mm. and they—it's it, fun crime because you're sort of laughing at yourself for being just a little bit afraid when you know that there's nothing mm. scary. Well, that's the, the perennial appeal of Agatha Christie, you know. Like it's—it's so it's about murder, but mm. it's so cosy, and it never feels—it never feels threatening. It never feels too violent. It's always very genteel. It's always and very also the you wrong know, people, people never get killed. Exactly. I mean, that's lovely because you know you can mm. you can safely get attached. <laughs> to somebody and feel that things will work out for them. And and you know that it's all going to be resolved in a very neat way and mm. it's it's comforting to read. That's why we keep reading. You know, it's it's just I know like if there's something if I need to, you know, read something, if I feel like reading something that's gonna make me, you know, enthrall me and satisfy me but not be too kind of intellectually taxing or emotionally you know, draining. Emotionally draining, yeah. I'll just pick up a Christie. It's like having, you know, a warm cup cup of tea. And I and I think there was real potential there I mean with those opening shots I was just thinking oh yes this Mm. is this is this is this is glorious yeah um and and great clothes great environment you know well there's a um a technical theory um that could possibly support uh what you're saying here about why the film didn't work in terms of suspense so one of the um things that uh, people have pointed out is that uh, in the 1974 version which was directed by Sidney Lumet uh all the shots once you get inside the train, was inside the train, mm. and so it, was, it, it had this sense of claustrophobia Closeness, about yeah. you know everything was sort of you know, building up and you know getting you know trapping people in. And Lumet's really good at that. You know, he did uh, Twelve Angry Men, and one of his famous things was you know slowly move the camera from bottom all the way up to the top, mm-hmm. so that by the end you're almost staring down on, on people. Um, so he had, he created this sense of claustrophobia through his camera. But what I noticed Brano did was that he removed you from the train. Several times, he kept moving the cameras away. He kept going outside the train. Kept going, moving back in the train, mm. going on top of the train. So he just very flashy. Pandering. Move. I wonder if that was pandering <coughs> to an audience that he thought wouldn't accept the, um, you know, that, mm. that sort of. I thought it was too. I thought it was too response. gimmicky. Yeah. Um, 
and very distracting. So the discovery of the body for me didn't work because I was just there just being really annoyed by the fact that the cameras were situated on top of them and they were just letting me... They almost looked like experimental lab rats or something like that, you know, running mm. from one place to another and it just didn't work for me and I just felt... Um, it removed me from the story. But uh, it also removes that sense that this is like a locked room mystery yes, where, you yeah. know, that somebody there has to be the murderer and so mm. therefore you are fraternising with or, you know, hanging out with mm. or living in the same spot as the murderer. Yeah. And that's the kind of appeal of that. I mean, even the uh, the reveal at the end, uh, he gathered them outside of the train, had yeah. them sit, sit on this long table and mm. then sort of had this open space to make that reveal. Like whereas, the, the supper, the last supper. Yeah, and he did the whole last <laughs> supper um, imagery thing. But uh, in the 97.4 version, they were all in a train, very confined. They were all sitting almost like, you know, um, like school kids while he's sort of directing this story around so there's this sense of claustrophobia this sense of suspense that's been built up but in that yeah. one it's more I guess it's more action based I actually possibly. also think that maybe Rana was too charismatic do you know what I mean because mm. in actual fact when you think about say Shay or, or other versions Shay does that well yeah you know yeah. He, he's such an unassuming li- so the only thing that draws your attention to him is his intellect is mm. his ability to do this and so it's this incredible sort of moment where this person who in every other way shape and form you wouldn't necessarily um, you know sort of utterly sort of well except for the moustache you know. yeah I know but Perot even that, is but, famous but, for but, the but that moustache is, is, is it's, yeah. it's more of an annoyance because <laughs> you know I always have this sensation you know it must be sort of but, but you, do you know what I mean because he's, he's deliberately little he's deliberately sort of stout he's deliberately mm. awkward he's not the sort of person who could commands attention mm. except by the time you get to the end you have so much need for him to be able to unfold things for you that you're really drawn to him and that there, therein lies that wonderful enjoyment that's specific to this character whereas Branagh all the way through was eating up the shots and sort of you mm. know like sort of being really sort of almost heroic, yeah, which was and a which, bit hammy too. <laughs> bit which campy, was, uh, yeah, yeah, you don't mind, you don't mind that. Except mm. then he wasn't really campy because it was, you know, he was so clearly, a, you know, a heterosexual man with maybe just inklings of attraction for for, for Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer and that. Mm. You know, yeah, so, and I just I think it's more attraction for the um, what's her name, the, the Daisy Ridley, the Daisy Ridley character. Yeah, so um, uh, Mary Debenham mm. character because the, there was a sort of a hint at some sort of attraction between the two of them and her character uh, I thought her performance was good but her characterization didn't quite work mm. for me either yeah. there were some issues there with her character actually there's quite a lot of issues I found with a lot of the characterization a lot of them didn't quite work uh, and the amalgamation of some of the characters didn't work for me either but you know they didn't really have any fun with with sort of the red herring either mm. do you do you know what I mean like yes of course there, it, it just seemed fairly obvious that it was his assistant who'd you know sort of done it and, and there was no real effort to sort of bring that sort of sort of sinister brooding moment where you might think well was it her or what you, do you mm. know what I mean which mm. is part of the the, the, ple- the pleasure because you sort of need to be invited to consider your your, your suspect mm. but there wasn't really that enough effort or enough sort of resting to to allow the reader to, to allow the reader to mm. allow the the, the, the the viewer to actually get wrong because part of the pleasure is, is being wrong is, mm. is, is you know yes. thinking ah because it's right sometimes yeah. you don't remember which character yeah. even when you've watched mm. it before sometimes you can't remember most of the time I can't remember yeah <laughs> that's which right is why I like the detective fiction but but you know it means that you're wrongly suspecting 
characters. And that's a wonderful part of detective fiction when you when you're entirely sure that this is the person, and then the last minute, oh, it's this other person. And then you go, oh, how did I miss that? You know, like that's the part of the pleasure. That's why we read it. But, but it is. It's it's fun to be wrong. Like, yeah. It's fun to have that moment where uh, sort of the, the the book or the film mm. has has had you guessing. Yeah. I didn't make any effort to guess in in that one. And and yet I know because it wasn't that long ago that it was on Foxtel or whatever and, and I'd watched it. And I, it, it, even it, it, it's, it's, it's still that sort of effort to, to remember. And I think that's why I don't like the collective murder mm. that much because <laughs> in all the other... You're forced to remember it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just reread And Then There Were None, which is one of Christie's standalones mm. in that there's no detective figure mm. in it. Um, and I didn't remember who was the killer, the murderer in that. And, you know, there is that sense of suspense and there is that sense of working it out and there is that sense of, you know, not being sure what's going on and, and being wrong and being misled. And that was so much fun to read and I just had a ball with that. And that this movie misses that, the fun and the pleasure of that kind of process of like, no, I'm sure it must be this person. I'll hang on because in... in reevaluating yeah, and, and then in, of course, in, for anyone who knows and then there were none, they all end up dying off. In various orders, so you know murder really. Yeah, I know. So you know, like the person that you think is the murderer ends up being the next victim. And And I think that's what I was hoping that there would be a twist on the plot or something that would. would But I don't think that could have changed. Yeah, I was going to say I I think that would be problematic because if they do change it to that degree, it wouldn't be murder on the Orient. Yeah, because that's what's so. It famous. Is. Yeah, that's. I would have started with a different one. <laughs> I would have started because I, I, yeah. I reckon Death on the Nile would have been good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have gone with Mur- uh, Murder of Roger Ackroyd only because I love that one. Yeah, but that's so. another famous. I know movie. it is. It is. Uh, yeah. But it's a good one to introduce Poirot because he's not central. Yeah, that's true. To, to that particular story, he's he's really not central. He's really not all. central at all. You know, he's he's just sort yeah. of you know almost there on the sidelines, and then he comes in almost at the end. So I think that one's really interesting. Um, Whereas this one, I guess, you know, it, it could be... upon you. Yeah. That's my feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could be just a victim of its own popularity. You know, it, it's such a sensational story and it, it's such a game changer that there's really no way that they can make it new and interesting yeah. to people who know the story so well. I mean, I like personally, I found it... While I was watching, I did enjoy it because I thought... I didn't go in with expectations of change because mm. I just thought there's no way, even if I thought as much as I possibly can, I, I, I wouldn't be able to change this story in any way to make it new and interesting for people who know it. Once you know it, that's it. You yeah, know you it. know it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. you know, there's, uh, it kind of diminishes it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with other stories, you can sort of play around with that. But this story, it's almost like that. Uh, the the ending is um, the main reason to see mm. or to what or to read this this particular story. So to change that would be to to defeat its purpose in a way. I wanted to. Is it, well, I'm just trying to remember. Is this only Agatha Christie where it's based on the murder of a child. I don't know. Jimmy would know I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to think through the, the various... Because, you know, I think that was my feeling all the way through. It was as mm. though it had strayed into sort of different territory because it becomes a much more... Well, it was, it was based... Um, Christie based the, the story on, on the... Um, uh, what was it? The, the Lindbergh baby... Um, which mm. was sensational at the, at the time, mm. so it, it had that um, allusion to it. But uh, she she wanted to concentrate then on well, what happens if um, you know, justice gets perverted, uh, and mm. you know, people then take justice in their own hands. You know, 
in this I particular manner. I can't think of another Christie that's about the because mm. usually time. you're not that troubled by the people who yeah no it's my, you know well yeah 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 you never mm. feel kind of like but, oh you know and it's not about social I, chaos I think that's what I actually disrupted. really liked about this story mm. that there is a sort of a social conscience and there is that blurring of um, between the lines between morality uh, to some extent because at the end you are rooting for um, the killers to get away um, mm. just as the, the the characters in in the stories do as well because you know you almost feel as if yeah that's the right yeah ending that's you know you wouldn't have it any other way because the other way would mean you're quite angry that um, in a way Ratchet got away with such a uh, a terrible crime mm. so for me it's, it's I guess that's the, it, it's part of the story um, it, it has to be Mm. Well, I suppose that's, yeah, well, that, that is a justification for choosing mm. Murder on the Orient Express because, as you say, like, with a Christie novel, you're not really, you don't get the sense that, like, the social order no. has has dis- been disrupted and, they're you know. They're not moral dilemmas. They're not moral dilemmas. You know, it's not like crime is a function of, like, the sickness of, of, of society. No. It's just like somebody's died, all right. Okay, yeah, let's, let's move get, on. Let's move on now. You know, <laughs> so I think that's obviously how I like my detective fiction. Um, you know, I'm not sort of wanting the the, the, the sort of the grey area. Yeah. Um, well, not in Christie at any rate. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's like, but that's but, the appeal of cozy crime. Like, you can read about all these like um, the the um, the examples of cozy crime that I like to to, to kind of think about is. Um, Antonina, who is our head of department, she gave um, me these um, detective books, which are about um, a dog detective, um, and he <laughs> helps. And he um, they're called the Chet and Bernie books, and the um, they're, they're actually narrated by the dog. Um, and he's and he he sort of helps. He has a like a, a human owner who actually solves the crimes, but he helps by like sniffing things and doing doggy things like that. And they're so delightful. And, you know, they're about, like, murders and crimes. And, you know, they do have a kind of a uh, bit more violence in them in that, um, you know, it's it's contemporary and it's, you know, there's drugs and all this. But because it's a dog, it's so much fun. Like, it's just about him being happy to, like, stick his head out the window and, you know, feel the air on his face. And, you know, he gets, like, treats when he solves the murder and he's really excited about that. I love them. They're, like, they're about crime and violence and drugs and murder and death. But they're about a dog so they're delightful. <laughs> I'm going to have to have a look for those yeah. at Christmas. You know, that sounds like my Christmas reading. Oh, and he's, he, just, he loves sniffing our crimes and you know, and anyone who knows dogs know that they really enjoy sniffing. Right. So, you know, they're wonderful books. <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know how you'd film it though. Well, you could make it an animation. Yeah, that's true. Uh, or something oh, or something like a Babe or um, yeah, yeah, you know, that's true. that style. It's, it is possible. Um, but the real appeal is like the narration through the dog's eyes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose you know. I, I was, I'm thinking, you know, Babe meets Poirot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of idea. So talking dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's not far from. No, that's true. We could do that. Chet and Bernie, go and read them. They're yeah. really great. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I was I was listening to somebody um, another podcast. Actually, they were talking about cozy crime. Um, and they were pointing out that one of the like first I can't remember the name of the books, but the first kind of cozy crime books post Christie that kind of really leaned into this kind of coziness of crime were about a cat Ooh. and a cat detective. I have so, heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the title now, but yeah, no, I have heard of that one. Yeah, but I mean, there is an appeal about reading that kind of cozy, you know, and like they might like have a lot of tea and biscuits and well, they're safe, aren't they? Stuff. Yeah, they're really safe. Yeah, they're. Yeah, you know, you're not likely to encounter anything dark or anything um, 
disturbing. Something or too really dangerous. Too dangerous. Justice um, will always be served. Yes. It yeah. reminds me of uh, what uh, which Bronte's sister now said about um, Austen's novel that they they covered. Charlotte Bronte. Yeah. Yeah. She was nice so little wrong. picket. <laughs> Charlotte Bronte's rereading of uh, or misreading of Jane Austen. Yeah. yeah. Love little picket fences around it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, see, I like crime on. on both levels. I do like the cosy crime, but I also like um, mm. the darker crimes because I'm really into serial killers. We won't go there. Uh, but uh, in a theoretical, in a theoretical sense, you might want to expand upon that just briefly before we let you. No, uh, do not be alarmed, Jimmy. Is not a serial killer. He's talking about podcasts, podcasts, movies, movies <laughs> books. You know, uh, anything so if of that the, nature. If, if like the police looked at like your Google searches, they would be very concerned. They would be very concerned. They would yeah. be very concerned. So I think <laughs> literally my last Google search last night was. Uh, <laughs> most violent female serial killers. Something Just to, like. you know, add because, you know, Well, I was, I was interested because I thought um, there's a trend that male serial killers tend to be very violent. Um, they often torture their victims. Mm. But female serial killers often poison their victims. Yeah, poison is like the woman's choice. Yeah, the woman's uh, choice. choice yeah. But here's the really interesting part. Um, the theory is that uh, it seems like there's more male serial killers because they're mostly caught. Mm-hmm. The female serial killers tend to get away with it for much longer and sometimes even go undetected. Yeah, there was a great story I heard on mm. yet another podcast. I mean, you know, we we would, you know, we just um, released our, our podcast on true crime yes. podcasts. So obviously we, we listen and talk about this stuff a lot. But there's a great story about like a, a, a nurse. Mm. Um, I think it was in the early years of the 20th century. I can't remember what her name was or where I heard this. But um, she was basically killing her patients in like <laughs> massive numbers by just dosing them up. With yeah. drugs or poisoning them, yeah, and, I, I and think she I read went, that last and night. I think she went like undetected for twenty years because mm. you know if you're a nurse in a hospital, patients die, yeah. right? And so there's not necessarily a correlation between and you. People aren't suspecting. People aren't suspecting. You know, if mm. you're in a hospital, mm-hmm. chances are you might die. So she got away with you know something like sixty or seventy murders because nobody until it was you know it became kind of too much and too coincidental that all of her patients died you know, further down the track. Um, oh. She just got away with murdering everybody through poison. It's amazing. Yes. This, this conversation <laughs> is spun completely out of control. control tr- yes, I know. I feel like uh, it might be my fault. <laughs> yes, it is your fault. <laughs> um, but Christy actually does deal with a lot of um, poison uh, yeah. as murder as well, you know, because that's what I was thinking of. I think that's, that's why I was searching all that, because I thought it's unusual for murder on the Air Express to have uh, a female... With, you know, she wasn't just the only killer, but she was the head. She, yeah. you know, she was the leader of the party. But this killing wasn't. I mean, there was poison involved in that. They poisoned Ratchet first, but it was a very brutal, very violent crime. It was a, a stabbing crime. Um, and from what I've read about serial killers, uh, stabbing is a very personal thing. You know, you, you often do it to people you know or people you hate or passionate <laughs> about. Because you're very so, close to them. Not, very not close too yet. often. Yeah, so, so watch out, the two of you. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Michelle and I turn up dead. This is... Podcast evidence, listeners, evidence. please use this as evidence. Uh, especially around the end of semester when Jimmy's feeling particularly pressured. Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, they'll put it on the news and say the clues were embedded in their podcast. <laughs> but, I mean, even if you watch this particular version, um, all the, the violent stabbing mm. were the men. They did all the violent stabbing, except for Mrs. Hubbard. And she yeah, does a very, that's like, really one of the yeah. end, almost, and she just drives it the whole point home. Um, and it got me thinking uh, about the differences uh, between the sexes. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's, you know, uh, but it's possibly a little bit more disturbing going back to the whole serial killer thing because it's not just simply um, 
um, patients, but they are, female serial killers tend to murder people who are, tend to be helpless or tend to be within their control <laughs> of some degree. Children are quite often, so they, yeah. are, they often murder their own children quite yeah. a lot. Um, patients, the elderly. There's one, I think, in Mexico who murdered 40 elderly people be, uh, pretending as a nurse. Yeah. Uh, but they don't kill for pleasure. That's Most of them don't tend to, to kill for pleasure, whereas men do tend yeah. to kill for pleasure. So were they, what do you mean? Are they killing as, as in They're mercy killing for killings? No, some, well, sometimes mercy, sometimes... Because it's um, not really murder then? I'm, I'm not well, so well, that's the... Or for the, material gain. Or for yeah. material gain quite mm. often. So um, <laughs> most of them, you know, a black widow killer, so they kill off their husband to, you know, pick up the um, insurance money or... Yeah. Something to that effect, or, or get the money, or something to that effect. Or just get rid of Chopper's husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or just, you know, husbands who fall asleep in movies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> turning into quite the therapy session. I know. But I think, like, you know, all jokes aside about Jimmy's weird fetish for serial <laughs> Fetish is a I strong word. I don't think that this is actually weird, but and I think that's why we like reading Christie. It is. Because it is the most comforting, cozy, mm. safe place to read about all this stuff that everybody's interested in. And acceptable. You say yeah. you like Agatha Christie and everyone's like, oh, that's wonderful. You say you like serial killers and everybody sort of takes a step back. And says, and says <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know about this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone likes reading about this. It's been a perennial, you know, issue, topic of, com- mm. of, of interest since, you know, but what fascinates time. me, though, is that she does um, have insights into these type of killings. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the more you read her work, the more you actually see how um, they do tend to reflect what's actually happening in the real world. But they happen in a very safe, confined yeah, space. Exactly. So it does create a safe space. I don't think she ever me. hesitates from making a woman a killer, either. No, no, no. She doesn't. And I think that's the thing that I, mm. I, I like mm. about her. And, and when I was listening to you talk about... Uh, you know, sort of Michelle Pfeiffer as the mastermind. Mm. I was actually thinking, well, no, that that is an aspect of the you know sort of m- murder the mm. Orient Express that I do enjoy mm. is yeah. because there's no, there's no effort to you know sort of um, I guess defer that responsibility across the others. She was wholeheartedly the the, the mm. sort of the and it, I mean let's face it, the, logistically it was a difficult one to plan. Yeah. Um, so and that, also to have her really as an actress as well, you know, because mm. you know, she was a, a famous you know, and a brilliant actress, and so mm. of course she would but be. I the, feel the like the, 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 I think perhaps in the effort to get so much across, because mm. it is actually a, a fairly rich sort of text, that perhaps the end result was that it, it, it lacked the, the sort of the, the singular vision to, to yeah. sort of carry it all the way through. And yeah, and I, I think that's that's my complaint from, from the start, which is that I would have liked to see more focus on the characters, flesh them out mm. a little bit more, mm. because I think, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I read a lot of Agatha Christie um, works for the other characters, mm. yeah. for, for the yeah. side characters. Yeah. I don't really, you know, you, you get a lot of crow, I mean, you get a... With all detective fiction, you get a lot of the detective already. You don't really mm. want to read more about the detective. Mm. It's actually all the other characters and their yeah. lives and the intricacies of their lives. And the motivations. Yeah, the motivations. Because, because yeah. you know, Agatha Christie's motivations are generally pretty convincing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. You always yeah. feel, I mean, I've often felt, you know, you yeah. often feel, well, that was a, that would, that was a fair yeah. enough motive. <laughs> yeah, like, that was a fair enough motive. Well, motive. in that sort of situation. I, I think, Michelle, I think you would be more dangerous as a killer than I would. <laughs> because she'd, be, she'd have a very she good reason. She, yeah, she, she, well, you know, you know what, that's, that's a fair reason. He fell asleep during the movie. I can kill him. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's 
you like. <laughs> you know, it's all so facto. <laughs> now I'm feeling um, concerned. I'm should, feeling, should we send this I'm to him? Feeling chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I said it to him. Oh, you said it to him. It's all right. I could just um, no, 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 no. So you, you're, you're lucky. There's a lot of witnesses around. <laughs> Wake up now. <laughs> um, yeah. No. And, and besides, um, I, I did. I did. I, I, I did hit him repeatedly. <laughs> just See, a little bit of violence. A little yes. bit. Yeah. Um, a little bit of action. Yeah, a little bit of elbows. Yeah, so because, because, maybe know. it'll be murder in the, in the <laughs> Orpheum. Orpheum. <laughs> Orpheum Express. The Orpheum. Don't you fall asleep when I take you to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think before we spin this completely out of control and start like... You know, revealing our deepest, darkest secrets. We we better wrap this one up. <laughs> um, thank you so much for seeing the movie and for speaking to me today, Jimmy and Michelle. Oh, thank you, pleasure. Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back in a week. Um, if you could please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be very very helpful. Um, see you later. Bye.